for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 127, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Today, my guest is author, speaker, entrepreneur, and friend, Mark Tim. Mark has been a serial entrepreneur and exponential thinking practitioner for over two decades. He started more than a dozen companies, several of which have multiplied and been sold. He's spoken professionally for more than 25 years, giving thousands of speeches to over a million people around the globe. Mark's greatest value comes from being a master collaborator who brings people together to accomplish far more than anyone imagined. His strategic vision enables him to see future possibilities and strategically position assets and systems to take full advantage of what's next. Today, Mark believes his most important role as CEO of the most valuable business in the world, his family of six young adults, with his wife, Anne. His own experience of dealing with entrepreneurial challenges fueled his passion for helping people balance the demands of family life and business. As always, I'll share my points to ponder for you to start using right away. Parents, what do you think about when you think of discipline? Do you think of somebody being harsh or cruel or mean or overly strict? That's not what discipline really is all about. The word discipline means to teach. So disciplining our kids is a wonderful thing. We need to teach them boundaries. We need to teach them to be people of great character. And we need to teach them how to love well and be a good person as they grow up into adulthood. Check out my free webinar, When No Doesn't Work. Go to Instagram, Facebook, and sign up today. It's free, and I know you're really going to get a lot out of it. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 127. Stay with us. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Mark Tim. I know you're really going to enjoy this. Well, Mark, thanks so much for joining me today on Parenting Great Kids. I love your book, and I am so thrilled it's doing so well. Well, you know what? Uh, the name "Parenting Great Kids." Like, I I know that we have like a limited time frame in our conversation here today, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, I could talk to you for the rest of the day about parenting great kids. It is at the <laughs> deepest core of my passion as a human being. You know, and I, I love hearing you say that because it is mine as well. You know, people look at me and go, oh, you've got this robust career. You're a physician. I go, you know what? What I love is being a mom and a grandmother. And what I really love is helping parents enjoy their kids and, um, you know, raise great kids. great kids. That's just the heart of what I do. It's not about career or anything. And I know you love your job as well. And so, you know, I just I just feel grateful at this age to have a job that I love so well and that I I really feel um, the heart of what I do is not the professional end, but it's connecting with my kids and, con- and helping parents connect with their, their kids. 
Yeah, and and you don't. Know, you said you love what you do. I've I've always loved being an entrepreneur, and that's what I do. And I'm I'm really good at it. But for a number of years, I had this really awful feeling inside because I knew that I was put on this earth to do more than just do good work. I was put on this earth to do more than just mm-hmm. be an entrepreneur. And quite frankly, I wasn't delivering. Like I was falling short. You know, I would I would leave a world of confidence and clarity. And I would go home to a world of chaos, mm-hmm. and confusion, and I justified it. I'm the provider or I, I have to work to be able to be the husband or father. But I knew that was a lie. Like I knew I was just totally lying mm-hmm. to myself because I knew that I could win at home like I was winning at work or I should win at home like I was winning at work. I just wasn't. I was winning at work and losing at home and, and that wasn't okay. So I love what I do. But I love my family even more. And, and, and actually, mm-hmm. it, it, it happens that one day I decided, what if my family, what if, what if the most valuable business I will ever own, ever operate, ever start, or ever be, be a part of was the one I was going home to, not the one I went to mm-hmm. that day. And that mm-hmm. is actually when I started becoming the husband and father that I was put on this earth to be. You know, and I love your approach. You know, it it looks like as reading the book that you had kind of an epiphany. You know, you drove home, you'd had a successful day and you're sitting at the end of your driveway going, I don't want to go home because I I don't want to lose this, you know, this wonderful feeling of success and then walking into that chaos. And so, you know, I I just love that because I could kind of resonate with that. In your book, Mentor to Millions, um, you really talk about how you can use the business principles that make you successful with your family. And I first got it and I thought, oh, that doesn't quite make sense. But early on in the book, you talk about getting the right mindset and you talk about the importance of failures right up front. What's the right mindset that business people need and that parents need? You know, so um, uh, so the book starts out with one of the most, our, our editor said it was the most compelling first line that she has read in a decade. And it's halfway up my driveway, I realized I didn't want to go home. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know how many people I've met that say, that's me. Like, mm-hmm. I've had that experience of coming home from work and saying, I just need another minute before I face the chaos yeah. and the confusion. And, and so that day, that driveway moment, and I coin it a driveway moment, changed everything in my life. It changed the trajectory of my life as a husband, my life as a father, my children's lives. You know, my children are now grown. I only have one left at home out of six. And so we can look back at that driveway moment and say, it changed the trajectory of every single person in my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it changed the trajectory of me as an entrepreneur. I mean, even in business, it changed because that day I decided that my family from that day forward was going to get my best and my first, not my last and my least, mm-hmm. that I was going to practice in business so that I could perfect it at home. Wow. And I was going to take everything I learned in business, everything from, I mean, we used to, you know, uh, we used to do that. And when we still do the disc personality profile. Mm-hmm. So we would do that so that we could have this beautiful dream team at work. And I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. I invest in this personality profile to have a dream team at work. But what if that dream team is actually at home? So I brought home eight 
different eight personality profiles and my family took the dispersonality profile and you know what it did? It showed my kids that their siblings weren't weird, okay, or annoying. <laughs> they're yeah. just they're just different. different. And it, yeah. it made conversations so easy to say, this is why you get annoyed by your brother or sister. This is why they do what they do. And I was just bringing it home. But the point, I'm, I'm circling back to your question of mindset. Here's the amazing thing. Now my kids are out in the world and they're doing some incredible things in their life. And my business couldn't be better but this is the part I want everybody to know is that I still drive the same truck I did that day on the driveway mm-hmm. eight years ago. I still live in the same home. Mm-hmm. I'm still married to the same wife. I still have the same kids. The only thing that changed that day was my mindset. Mm-hmm. That's it. I changed. And the result of me changing changed, started a domino effect that went through my entire family and now is going to go through my children and their spouses and their coworkers and their students that they're in college with and their future families because I changed my mind mm-hmm. about my family and about my work. So when you talk about the mindset, there's a reason that's the first chapter of the book, Mentor to Millions. That's the book that I wrote with Kevin Harrington. Chapter number one is mindset because I believe You can change who you are. You can change where you are. You can even change what you're doing by simply changing one thing, and that's your mindset. Mm. You first change that, and anything else is possible. Was it scary for you? You should probably ask my wife. Was it scary for her? Yeah. yeah, Because I came home. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what I need to do. I haven't been doing this. I'm going to do this. And this is what I want to do. And you know what I did? I legally incorporated my family. I went out the next day and I legally incorporated my family. You can look it up on the incorporation register. My family is a legal entity inside of the state of Indiana, 2B Tim's LLC. Now, why would I do something so crazy? Because I needed something crazy to happen in my life. I knew I could be a better father. I knew I could be a better husband. I knew that my kids should have more from me. And so I went all in and everything I did in business, I brought home and I needed a structure that made sense, that the the names of things made sense. We started having shareholder meetings. Why? Because my youngest child had the same amount of shares that I have, right? And guess what happened? My kids had a voice and they had a vote for the first time in our family's history and it mattered mm-hmm. and it truly mattered and, and, and they spoke up and they added value and it wasn't a dictatorship. You know, it was a, it was, they, it was a family business and they were a part of it and they wanted to be a part of it and they wanted it to be special because we figured out, guess what? Our family was not an accident. Mm-hmm. Like, We were created on purpose. So if we were created on purpose, shouldn't we have a purpose? Shouldn't we be living out that purpose? And that's what happened to us. And that's what happened to me. Was it easy? No. Mm -hmm. I had a child. I had never seen do homework before in my life. And when I would call a family meeting, they had more homework than they could be given in a year. Like, how could I possibly have them come to a family meeting when they had so much homework? Homework, So it wasn't easy. 
but it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love that idea. Um, uh, you know, when you talk about having um, two ears and one mouth for a reason, and you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I really wanted you to drive that home because I see how you did that. Now, if you run your family as a, be- as, a, as a business, you look to each of your kids as valuable business partners. And the only way you can run a good business is to have everybody's input. So you ask a question and you just have to be quiet. And I think that's where a lot of us parents fall down. We want to be the CEO and just run over everybody. And just do it because we know better and we want to sort of control and micromanage. But your business would fail if you did that. So talk about how your kids responded when you came to them and asked the question and said, tell me what you think. Were they surprised when you started doing that and actually really listening to their feelings and thoughts? Well, let me let me back up a, a little bit further. And I, I love to say, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth mm-hmm. and he did it for a reason. It wasn't an accident. And so, you know, so here I was trying to get my family to go down this path and they thought this is crazy. This is dad's just on some kind of kick. So I did something as a man. OK, yeah. and I'm just saying I'm only speaking for a guy because I am I'm a guy. I always tried to be strong. Like I wanted my kids to see me strong. Like dad is strong for them. So I did something where I sat down with the family and it was the point at which I felt the weakest as a human being that I'd ever felt because I sat in front of my family and I took responsibility for not being the dad that they needed and and for falling short as a husband to my wife and for missing everything that I missed of their childhood And I totally owned my shortcomings as a human being. Mm -hmm. I felt vulnerable. I felt weak. And, but I felt like I had to hit the reset button and they had to know that I was all in, that I was, I was a different person, that I was going to lead this family the way I was put on this earth to lead and that they were my most valuable business. I will tell you that my adult children will point back to that day and that moment and say, their father has never been stronger, hmm. was never more strong and more di- just, uh, they've never been prouder hmm. of their father than that moment where I saw myself being weak because, and I'm getting emotional. I, I, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm, I'm getting emotional just even telling this story because You know, it was so profound that in my moment of weakness, where I felt I was the weakest, I was the strongest to them. And the truth is, is that it takes profound courage to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't take any courage to fake it. Right. Like faking it is far easier than being vulnerable. And my family on that day is really when things started to change for my family because they were all in because their dad was courageous enough to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and they wanted to be part of the 2B Tim's family business and they wanted to come alongside their father and let him lead the family like he was supposed to lead. 
and my and my wife. I mean, my wife is you know she's right there with me. She's my co CEO. This is not a dictatorship and on my side either. And so she stepped up and she became the mom that she was supposed to be because she saw by example that that this wasn't just words and and this wasn't just a fad. That we meant it. Mm-hmm. And so you know so that's that's what you have to do. You got to own it and you got to be vulnerable. And if you're honest, like right now, if you're at home and you're working from home for the first time because of COVID and quarantine, and it's hard, and by the way, it is hard, Very hard. sit down with your family, tell them how hard it is. Mm-hmm. Tell them that it's not easy for you to be at home. It's not easy for you to do Zoom meetings instead of face-to-face meetings. It's not easy for you either, and ask for their help and support, and you'll be shocked at how much they'll come alongside and how they'll be more respectful and they'll be quieter because you are vulnerable enough to say, this is not easy for me mm-hmm. and I need your help. You know, I think as parents, we're so uh, reticent to say that. You're absolutely right because, you know, we need to sort of be the strong ones who are always telling them what to do and always giving them great advice when we really don't have it. Mark, did you ever ask your kids what have I done wrong before this this minute? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that was part of. So, so here's the cool thing. All right. So, I now have young adult children, and uh, and so what happened was the the relationship I had with my kids eight years ago, I wouldn't have allowed myself to even say mm-hmm. that the relationship I have now was even possible. Like I wouldn't have even I wouldn't have even said it out loud because it was such a pipe dream. But what's so crazy is, is that when you, when you get vulnerable and real, that's when you start developing real relationships. And so, you know, so I opened the door for my kids to call me out and, and, and I'll tell you how, what this looks like. If you're wondering as a parent, what this looks like. Okay. So I would put my kids to bed and I would take this with me. Okay. This, this device that I'm holding in my hand, which we call a cell phone. And, and I would and I would, I would, it would hear it vibrate or ding. And instead of being present with my kids, I would look at it mm-hmm. and it would totally break the moment. You would see them look away. Like, mm-hmm. here we go. You know, dad's busy and he doesn't have time for me. And so I'm like, I sit down with the family and I'm like, I'm like, what can I do better as your father? And they're like, you know, stop looking at your phone when we're talking to you. And I'm like, whoa, uh, hello. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what. The next time that I look at my phone when I'm putting you to bed, you have the right to take it from me mm-hmm. and keep it until the next morning. Awesome. And I'm going to tell you something. It happened not once, not twice, not three times, but it happened probably a dozen times over a period of a couple years. And I was so embarrassed every time it happened. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, I couldn't believe I did it. But if you want to be a better person, if you want to be a better version of yourself, just ask your kids to hold you accountable. Yeah. Just tell them the person you want to be. Because you know what I told my kids? I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the person that isn't present when I'm with you. I don't want to be the person that's not all there when I'm putting you to bed. That's not who I want to be. So hold me accountable to be that better person. And guess what? They did. Yeah, they, like, they love yeah. holding yeah. yeah. I mean... They love you. So, you know, so if you want to be a better version of yourself, 
be courageous enough to tell your children what that version looks like or ask them Mm -hmm. what a better version of you looks like and then let them hold you accountable. And here's the cool thing. Now, as, as, as as an adult and as young adults, my kids are willing to tell me when they think I'm going off track. And they are accepting when I tell them they're going off track because we have built this this relationship that we can hold each other accountable. We can be honest with each other. We don't have to fake it around each other. And do you know how awesome it is? My my 19, almost 20-year-old daughter said to me two nights ago, do you know how amazing it is that I can just be me around you and mom, that I don't have to pretend to be anybody else but me? And she's like, I just, you know, I love being in your presence because I don't have to pretend. You know, I can be exactly who I am. And I'm so thankful for that. You, do you know that eight years ago she couldn't? Right. Because I wasn't able to handle that. And so, you know, so now she can. And the cool thing is, is that now I get to be her mentor. Okay. We talk about mentor to millions. Mm-hmm. The most important people you'll mentor in your life is your family. Mm-hmm. I get to be her mentor for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say my life because I sure hope I outlive her. <laughs> so for the rest of my life, I get to be her mentor. And so Bertha's just raising her to be 18 and sending her out on the world and letting the world mentor her. No, she chose me to mentor her for the rest of her life, but only because of the decision I made in that driveway eight years ago. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Mark Tim. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Mark. You know, I love it because so many parents will write me and say, you know, my relationship with my kids is broken. It's distant. They won't talk to me. And I feel like they're sort of walking away from me. And the advice they're usually given is, well, talk differently and do this and do this. But really what you're saying is it all starts with them changing who they are and looking at the family structure, looking at themselves differently and changing what's inside of you. And then your kids will come around. How do you handle conflict in a situation like this? Because I'm sure in the last eight years, there's been conflict among the board. Oh, total conflict. And it doesn't mean that we still don't have conflict. And so, but let me, let me give it to you this way. Okay. I'll give you a a nice analogy that you can, that you can pick. And that is uh, when your child is small, if you've got small children, at some point they start walking and there's this moment where they reach up and grab your hand for the first time. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, your heart just melts and you're just, your tears are rolling down your face. And it's a feeling that every parent can remember for the rest of their life. But a few years later, that same child is like dropping your hand and they ain't going to hold your hand for nothing. They're too cool for school. Not going to get caught holding mom and dad's hand. Ain't happening, right? So then you go through life and, and your children become a teenager somewhere in there. And during their teenage years, they figure out that when they were little, you had a legal obligation to care for them. Like mm-hmm. as a parent, you could get in trouble if you didn't care for them. But now as a teenager, they realize that you kind of have a choice. Like you're choosing, you know, to be all in here and, and you're choosing to love them. And so what happens is, is that, they become the worst version of themselves, usually at some point. Yeah. And, you know, and they do 
that for a reason. They do it because they're testing you. They're like, it was easy for you to love them when they were cuddly and cute and, and they needed you and all of that. But when they're older, they want to see if they can be the worst version of themselves and you'll still love them. And so what I tell people is, is that it's a test. Okay. So it's a test. And what they're really saying is, I want to know if you will love me at my worst, because I know you love me at my best when I was cute and cuddly and a, a toddler, but will you love me at my worst? And if you pass that test, then they literally will grab your hand for a second time. Mm-hmm. And when they grab your hand this time, they're saying, I choose you. I choose you to teach me and mentor me to be the, the coworker, to be the college student, to be the friend, to be the colleague, to be the, the husband or the wife or the parent that I was put on this earth to be. I choose you to parent me for the rest of your life. And so when, it, when we talk about conflict, what we're talking about is a test. Okay, it's a test. Conflict is natural, but you have to understand that there's more behind the conflict. Sometimes the conflict is just, I want to see if you'll love me at my worst. It's not really about the the situation at hand. We often get caught up in the moment and we don't see the the why behind the conflict. You know, we think we're fighting over a curfew, but in reality, we're fighting over how much do you really love me? Are you going to fight for me? Or am I left to fight for myself? And so, you know, my advice is, is that, yeah, we have conflict in our family, but we always try to step back. One of the smartest things we ever did, ever did, if somebody in my, in my business screws up, I don't ever yell at them and scream at them and, and berate them in front of people. I say, schedule an appointment with me for Tuesday and we can talk about this. And I let time pass and there's a definite appointment to do it. So when we had conflict or one of our kids screwed up, we would always say, hey, we'll take it up at the family meeting on Sunday night. Well, listen, after a few years of this, our kids would be like, punish me, ground me, whatever you have to do. Don't talk about this Sunday night at the family meeting, right? (laughs) I mean, it's like the punishment was just having to wait for four days to actually talk about it. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It allowed us to calm down and it allowed us to have perspective. And oftentimes it worked itself out before we ever even had to have the conflict. And so oftentimes as parents, we just rush into this conflict instead of treating it like we would in business. We would never do that in business. We would never do that at our work. But yet, why do we do that at home? So like I'm saying, if you're doing anything good at work, you can do that good at home. The, the rules can apply. There is so much to integrate from our work world to our home world. And once I started to make that integration, being a dad and being a husband and being a mentor got so much easier. You know, and, and what I love about what you're saying, Mark, is it's really not rocket science because I agree with you and I tell parents of teenagers who are just doing horrible, horrible things. They're basically screaming out for help, particularly young girls or teenage girls who are doing crazy things with boys or trying to find the, you know, the rowdiest, the meanest, the most delinquent boy they can find and bring him home. And a lot of it is dad, 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 do you see me? Do you see me? And parents really get caught up in the behavior. And what I try to do is just what you're doing, step back and say, why? 
why would she want to do this? Because usually girls were acting that bad and boys as well. I, I, I look at them and I see this curled up little kid on the inside just screaming for help. It's not about the tattoos or the tongue bar, the pink hair, the blue hair, or the horrible cl- It's not about that at all. It's about that kid screaming out. Exactly. And sometimes I'll tell parents what you need to do is literally tell your kid, no matter what, even if you sat in a closet the rest of your life, I'm going to, I'm not going to love you anymore. So have at it, do whatever you want to do, but I'm, I'm going to be here and I'm going to love you. Um, and, and so I love that you talk a lot of in your book about fear, um, fear of yep. understanding, fear of, of acting, fear of doing what we know we should probably do. And, and you find this in business, you know, people just don't want to take that step. They'll think, think, think. Same is true with parents. They'll think, 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 but either they'll react quickly without even thinking, or they'll fail to move towards their kid or listen to their kids. So talk about the role of fear in good parenting. Yeah. So um, again, you know, the so I write this book, Mentor to Millions, and I want to help entrepreneurs. I want to help families, you know, but you can't help. But again, it's all about integration. I tie the two worlds together. So many, so many people out there have a product, a purpose or a passion that the world needs and the world will never see it. The world will never even know it existed because they're afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. That fear will keep the world from that. Okay. And it's just a fact. And so versus if they were, if they were willing to just fail and willing to face their fears, because by the way, you're going to fail, like you're just going to fail. You're going to fail in business and you're going to fail as parents. And so the fear is really fear of failure. I mean, that's just, we don't want to, we don't want to fail in business because we don't want to be embarrassed or, or lose some money. We don't want to fee- fail as, as parents because we don't want our children to see us as, as failures or weak or, or to say, hey, I, I, I know you're wrong, etc. But the, the most powerful thing that you can ever show your employees in business is that you're not afraid to fail. The most powerful thing you can ever show as a parent is you're not afraid to fail. And, and once, once I got comfortable with that, here's the cool thing. I started sharing my business failures with my family during family meetings. Mm. When, I would, when I would do something wrong in business, I would bring it home and I would share it with the family and say, hey, I, I really thought this was going to work out. I, sp- I spent a lot of money on this and, uh, and it failed. It, was a, it, it didn't work out. And then we would talk about it. And what happened is, is that they started seeing, wait a minute, dad's not afraid to fail. Like dad is not afraid to take a risk and fail. And, and he's, he, he wants us to, you know, understand and be a part of it. Well, guess what? I gave my kids permission to fail too. And I gave my kids permission not to be afraid to fail because that's really all fear is. Fear is just what we don't understand or what we what we're afraid might or might not happen. And so, you know, so my big thing is is that uh, fear is real, but my whole thing is is that what if every time we failed we got stronger? So we wrote an entire chapter uh, called Failure to Phoenix. Now, if you watched Harry Potter, you know that a phoenix is a mythical bird that only gets stronger if the previous version of itself fails. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We are these beautiful mythical creatures that walk around this earth. And I'm here to say 
we're very much like that phoenix. I, any successful person I've ever met has failed a bunch. Mm -hmm. Like most of the time, the most successful person in the room has failed the most. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes they fail more than everybody in the room because they've learned from their failure and they know that failure is not final. It's not fatal. Then, and you get stronger from it. And so a lot of times that whole aspect of fear is just fear of failure, fear of, of failing your kids. Like, like I'm going to, I, I don't want to make a decision. And by the way, a non-decision is the biggest decision you'll ever make for your kids. So a lot of times parents decide not to make a decision for their kids because either A, they think time will just take care of it or B, they're not sure what the right decision is. But here's what I've got to tell you is that a non-decision is an even bigger decision than making a decision. So my point to making that is, is that if you don't decide something for your kids, the world will. Like if you don't decide, if you don't help your kids make a decision of what's right or wrong, the world will make that decision. And so, you know, so if, and, and, and here's where I'm going with this to get really real about this. We're in a very political environment. We talk to our kids about what's going on in the world. We talk to our kids about COVID. We talk to our kids about, about politics, about, uh, 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 we talk to our kids about vaccinations. We, we, any topic that is relevant and real in the world, we talk to our kids about. We don't shove it down their throat. We don't tell them what's right and wrong, but we talk about it because we don't want the world to make these decisions. We want to talk about it and help these decisions to be made. And so, so there's that kind of decision making. And then there's decision making at home. Like for example, you know, a lot of times parents are afraid to make decisions about what is right or wrong behavior between a girl and a boy. Okay. Well, guess what? If you don't figure that out as a family, somebody else is going to figure it out for you. And it's probably going to be the boy or girl who's with your boy or girl. Yeah. And so, you know, so it's like not, so, so we avoid the conversation about that because it's hard or it's uncomfortable and we decide not to make a decision, but guess what? The world is going to make that decision for you. And then once it does, it'll be really hard for you to overcome. So we would prefer to make those decisions as parents and have conversations about it so that then the world can share their point of view and we can talk about the world with our kids. But please make decisions, even if they're right or wrong, and be willing to say, I was wrong about this. Be willing to say, you know, that, that this was a wrong decision on my part. And so, you know, and, and be okay with that. And, and learn from it and be vulnerable because your kids will learn from it. One of the areas I find that happens the most where people, where parents are most afraid is talking to their kids about sexual activity. They just avoid it, avoid it. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. And I say the reason you're uncomfortable is because you have natural modesty and modesty is good. And we want to nurture that in our kids. And I, and I say to them over and over and over, look, they're being talked to about it every single day. They're being beaten over the head and they want to know what you think. They want to know what you think. Yep. You know, studies show that if they can figure out that mom or dad thinks it's not okay for them at 16 to be, you know, having sex with a boy, they're less likely to. I mean, there's power in, 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 in how a parent feels and what they communicate. Not that you want to say, don't do it. It's terribly wrong. Walk through it with them. You know, what would that be like? What would it be like afterwards? And I role play with kids all the time. You know what, Mark? It's fun. It's actually fun because what I found is kids want to talk about it. 
the best thing you can do is be vulnerable and talk about your own experience <laughs> yeah. and, and tell them what was right and what was wrong and what you learned. You know, I mean, don't be holier than thou, be yeah. real and raw mm-hmm. and, and they'll learn from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's where we went with it. We're like, Hey, let's just have this conversation. And before we even get in this conversation, you need to know we've made some bad mistakes in this area and this is what they look like. And this is what we learned from them. And this is why we're sharing our point of view, not because we, want to force something on you, but because we have a perspective in this area. And by the way, that's that's a mentor. I mean, that's being a good mentor. Being a good mentor is sharing your failures, listening, and helping them to accomplish their hopes and dreams. And so, you know, so that's, we talk a lot about that in Mentor to Millions is about, it's about how to have the right mentor, how to be the best student of your mentor, how to teach other people. And, and that's what it's all about. As a parent, you're mentoring your kids. So you have to be vulnerable and share your own personal experiences. Hard, hard stuff. Uh, we know that we have to wrap up here, Mark, and um, honor your time. And uh, your book is incredible. I, I so much I want to talk to you about because uh, you, you say your uh, your partner that co-wrote this, Kevin Harrington, actually embraces failure. And he said, "When I'm making a decision, let me hurry up and fail as many times as I can to move on with it." But I, I so appreciate your book. Um, and Mark, my guest is Mark Tim, and the book is Mentor to Million. Um, secrets of success in business relationships and beyond mark thank you so much for being with us today there's so much more to learn in this fabulous book i really encourage everybody who's listening to us to go out and get a copy and read it you will learn so much so thanks for writing it and thanks for being with us well thank you thank you for having me on here and i want to just say that mentor to millions the millions is not money i just want to make sure everybody knows that the millions is impact mm-hmm. and we kevin harrington he was the original shark on shark tank we didn't really even go into that which it's not necessarily relevant but he was on shark tank and so and so the concept of the book is that if you have if you want to impact the world and by the world, I mean your family, the best way to do that is through mentorship. So millions is about impact. It's about impacting the world. And I firmly believe that the greatest impact you can ever have is the impact that you have at home. So please go out and get the book. By the way, it's available wherever books are sold, anywhere you like to buy books, you can get this book and I hope you get it. And in the back of it, by the way, there's an email that you can share your story, okay? And it's a story at mentortomillionsbook.com. You get the book and you'll see the email, but uh, we welcome you to share your story with us as well because I believe that everybody has a story I believe that everybody was put on this earth for a reason, and I know that your family was not an accident, that you were put on this earth to do something extraordinary, and it's going to be so awesome when you figure out what that extraordinary thing is, and you come together as a family, and you live that out, but it starts with you. Make the decision today to change your mindset, to have the most valuable business in the world, and treat them like that, and you'll never, ever regret it. Amen. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Well, Mark, I, I just love it. And um, I really appreciate your time. Is there a website other than the book site? Uh, so so people who want to follow more of the family message, they can just go to marktim.com. But if you once you get the book, okay, you go out and buy the book wherever you buy the book. 
If you'll go back to getmtm, G-E-T-M-T-M.com, Kevin and I are giving away 30 days of mentorship for anybody that buys the book. And so, and we'll talk about family, we'll talk about business. So if you ever wanted one of those sharks from Shark Tank to be your mentor, this is your opportunity. So go to getmtm.com, more information about the book, and you you show us you bought the book, we'll give you the mentorship for free. Awesome. I'm going to do it. I'm signing up. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, thank you. I mean, the book is just incredible. I mean, it's just so filled with so many things from start to finish. And I just, I get stuck on certain pages. So it's, it's just fabulous. So God bless awesome. you and, and all success with the book. I hope it's uh, top of New York Times. Number one needs to be. Thank you. It's, uh, it's number one in parenting and relationships right now on Amazon, which we're really proud of. So, uh, but, uh, but we, we, wherever the book's going to go, we just want to help as many people as possible. Yeah. Well, I think you're in the middle of doing that. Thanks so much. So now onto my points to ponder one, figure out your goals. You know, so often we think about what we would like to do, be, or how to act, particularly when it comes to balancing family life and work life. But most of us simply think about these things. We don't really figure out how to do them. When we continually think but never act, we become frustrated. Perhaps we don't act because we believe we never could achieve a certain goal, like family work balance, or that others can do it, but we don't have what it takes. This is not true. We'll never achieve a goal unless we step out and give it a try. When it comes to parenting, we should all have goals. After all, succeeding at parenting is the most important job we'll ever have. So today, write down three goals that you have for yourself when it comes to parenting. Do you want to build character, integrity, and courage in your kids? Write down your highest goals for yourself. Two, make a plan. As Mark says, in order to succeed, we need a plan. What is our objective and how do we plan on getting there? We need specific plans, otherwise we won't win. Think about losing weight or getting in shape. Telling yourself, I'll just cut back on sweets won't do the trick. You need to plan on how you'll do it, when you'll do it, and what you will do when you get tempted to eat them. In other words, you need to be specific with your plan. When it comes to parenting and you decide to stop criticizing your kids, let's say, then you need to make a specific plan. How will you recognize when you're being critical? How will you stop yourself? And what will you replace criticism with? This is the only way you'll succeed at changing bad parenting habits. Three, think big. Most parents believe deep down that while others can raise well-behaved kids with strong character, they won't be able to. They see their friends' kids being polite, kind, excelling at piano, school, etc., and they compare their kids to their friends' kids. Stop it. Don't do this. Don't focus on other people's kids and put your energy into making bigger goals for yourself and your kids. What can you help them excel at when it comes to character, not performance? What would you like them to be like when they're 25? Don't settle for just getting them there. Figure out a way to help them become extraordinary adults. Don't cut your kids short. And as you know, parents, I'm devoting special podcasts to only answering 
your questions. So please keep sending them in to me. You can email me any parenting question to Ask Meg at megmeekermd.com. Again, that's Ask Meg at megmeekermd.com. I want to thank Mark Tim for joining me on the show today. To find out more about Mark, go to marktim.com. That's Mark Tim with two M's. Com. Be sure to follow him on social media. Just search for Mark Tim in your internet browser. So let's recap my points to ponder. One, figure out your goals. Two, make a plan. And three, think big. So until next time, parents, always remember, great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. And because of your dedication to raising great kids, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. Head on over to Facebook and Twitter and follow at Meg Meeker MD and check out what's new at MegMeeker.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to stay updated and get information about giveaways. Don't forget to share the podcast with other parents. Subscribe so you won't miss anything and leave us a review so we know how we're doing. 